Uh, If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter number 21. And we'll go ahead and jump right in and get started. I promise to be as brief as the Lord lets me if you promise to keep your heart open and willing to let the Lord work in it this morning. Revelation, chapter number 21. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful again for this opportunity to stand here in your house and to preach your message. Lord, you know that in my own ability uh, that I'm completely and totally incapable um, of uh, conveying this message in which you would have me to do this morning. Lord, I pray that you would use me as as a vessel uh, so that uh, your work may be done in the hearts of of our church people this morning. Lord, I pray that we would have softened hearts this morning, uh, tender, Lord, to your word and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray so much that if there's anyone in here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day, that this morning would be the morning, Lord, that they would trust in Christ, be forgiven of their sins, and have their eternity changed, that they may live in heaven with you forever, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to open up with Revelation chapter number 21. We're not going to stay there, really. uh, But I wanted to set the scene because I, I like... Uh, us to get excited about the things that we can look forward to one day. Um, You know, the Bible tells us one day there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Uh, But that is not the world that we live in right now. It says the former things will pass away. Um, Right now we're living in those former things, and we're having to endure those things uh, that are in this world in which we live in now. Uh, We have to experience the sorrow and the heartache and oftentimes even dealing with death. Um, those of uh, those of us that experience the death of our loved ones, and then one day even our own. So uh, I wanted to to start off focusing on that and the idea of death. What I want to preach this morning has to deal with sin, death, and then the way out of both of those things. Uh, but I want to I want to talk for just a second about death. Death is an intriguing thing. It's an interesting thing. It's often something that people are completely and totally uncomfortable with talking about. Yet each and every single one of us will face it one day. Um, everybody has an appointment with death. 
Uh, now, that may be by after some long illness. That may be after a life lived, uh, uh, a full life lived and at an old age to pass away, or it may come by sudden tragedy. But each and every one of us at one point in time is getting day by day closer and closer, closer this morning than yesterday to the day in which our life as we know it right now will come to an end. Uh, I myself have become very um, familiar with death in my life. Um, I'll share a little bit about my own personal testimony. Um, when I was when I was young, I was six months old. My father, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. He was a pilot and a navigator. Um, and when I was six months old, during a, a touch and go uh, uh, practice or, or uh, uh, procedure, uh, one of the engines caught on fire and the plane went down and crashed. And my father and a handful of other men were killed. Um, so I was raised by my mother, my sisters, and I. She had remarried and then remarried again. And then when I was 10 years old, my stepfather took the life of my mother, and my mother passed away. And so my sisters and I, we moved in to, uh, to live with our grandparents, my mother's parents, uh, and we lived with them. And eight years later, when I turned 18, I went into my freshman year of college, and my grandfather, who I dearly loved, had a stroke and passed away four months later. And then that following year, my grandmother, who had cancer that May, she passed away as well. Uh, and so... By the age of 19, I had seen a lot of death of people that I dearly, dearly loved in my life. And, and I went through a period of time in my life where I, uh, I didn't understand. And I, I even was, uh, I guess you could say, had a little bit of pity for myself and, and couldn't understand why God would put me in a position to experience such heartache when so many other people by my age had not experienced something like that. Uh, but let me say the Lord has shown me through the years and as I have grown spiritually... He has given me a very keen insight to how brief life truly is. And instead of it, yes, it's difficult to lose loved ones. It's difficult to have to endure those things. But in so many ways, I have, I have had such a great understanding of death that I feel compelled to share it with our youth and any of those that I preach with on how soon death can really find us. I, I, I know it, it's common and we're used to hearing the preacher say, any moment, any time. But ponder on that for a moment. Any moment, any time. Today, before the service could be over, we could be calling an ambulance because somebody has had some kind of medical condition or something happened to them. Death is so very near to us all the time, and it's only by the grace of God that we don't die. We don't even, we don't even understand it, truly, how, how close that it really is. Um, so when we think of death... We, we think of how we have that destined appointment with it and then the, ter- the eternity in which we'll face thereafter. So I want to spend just a few minutes this morning uh, preaching on some things that I would say 99% of the people in here have heard before, um, but the Lord gave it to me, so I'm going to preach it. Amen. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is dealing with sin and the history of sin. So if you want to follow with me, turn over to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. And we're going to spend just a few moments there. Looking at some verses, Genesis chapter number 1. I'm going to start in verse number 26. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Uh, when man and woman was created, they were created in the image of God, and they were pure, and they had a 
relationship with God. They had a purity that we do not have now, and they were able to have a fellowship and a relationship with God on a daily basis that we are not born with at this point in time and the age and that we're living with right now. Imagine what it must have been like for Adam to have spent day by day walking in the garden with God, who I believe was Christ, spending time with Him, walking with Him, talking with Him, having that fellowship with Him. How sweet it is for us to have fellowship with God, those of us that are saved. How, how even sweeter it must have been to have been there with God and to walk with Him and to enjoy that and to experience that. We know man, he was created pure and perfect and without sin in his life so that, we may ha- that, so that, that fellowship could have been there with God. Uh, but it didn't stay that way. Uh, we see also that God, he had blessed man. If you look in verse number 28, 29, it says, God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which, uh, in the which is the fruit of the tree, tree yielding seed to you. It may be for me. God blessed them. They had fellowship with God. They were blessed of God. They had a relationship with God. They walked with God. They spent time with God. They had great communion with God on a daily basis. And we see God gave them simple instruction. If you turn over to chapter number 2, look at verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. They had a command given by God, an expectation that was set for them, that they could continue the relationship that they had with God on a daily level as long as they were obedient to God in this thing and that they did not do that. Yet we know uh, that that did not happen. If you look at chapter number 3, a few more verses, the Bible says, "...the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman..." Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat as well. Uh, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God and they were disobedient to God. Sin is disobedience to God. And God had told them that they were to not eat of the tree and they ate of the tree. They had blatant disobedience to what God told them to do. And as they did this, the curse of sin entered into mankind. Each and every one of us are under this curse of sin. Each and every one of us have to endure the pains in which sin brings. You know, uh, it's no secret, mainly to those of us that are uh, adults and a little bit older, I think our teenagers are having to learn it, sin is a very harmful and destructive thing in the life of both the believer and the non-believer. Sin is always harmful to anyone that partakes in it because it is direct disobedience to God. Oftentimes I try to tell our teenagers to be very cautious 
anxious about the things that are offered to them at school, the things that they run into, the things that they see, that they hear. You know, things get into the heart of people by going through the eyes and the ears. And as they are told, no, this is no big deal. Uh, This is okay. This is what other people do. Uh, Even adults start to say, oh, it's normal at your age. No big deal. Uh, They start to allow a little bit of sin into their life. And some of them, not all of them, but many of them, get hooked on things, get hurt by things. Their lives become destroyed by sin that has moved into their life. You know, uh, I've said it, Brother Toby said it, I say it to our teens a lot, there's not a single person uh, right now that's, in, uh, that's hooked on drugs, that's in a rehab, that's down on the street, any of those people, alcoholics laid out in the gutter, not a single one of them intended for their life to end up that way. But by allowing just a little bit of sin in their life, they ended up in that position. Sin is a harmful and a very destructive thing. And every man is cursed by sin. If you still like following along with me, I hope you do, turn over to the book of Romans. I'm going to do a lot of flipping around today. That's all right. Romans chapter number 3. The Bible says in verse number, uh, chapter 3 and verse number 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Everybody listen to me real quick. Y'all forgive me if I snap and stuff. I'm used to doing that with the kids. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Y'all listen to me. To To not know God is to be lost and separated from God. To not have a relationship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ, is to be lost and destined for an eternity in hell. Uh, The Bible tells us here that none are righteous. Uh, Let me say first and foremost that me standing right here am no better than the most wicked person that's ever walked this earth. I would still go to the same devil's hell had it not been for the grace of God and Jesus Christ in my life. Many of you have a testimony and... And Brother Larry says this sometimes. Let me just jump in there too. It thrills my soul when somebody stands up and gives a testimony. You don't know how much it blesses people when you say, "I know, I know the devil." He'll say, "Don't say anything." And your flesh will try to get you to sit down. You don't. You be embarrassed. Stand up, and give your testimony from time to time. It blesses people. But that's just a little something to slide in there. Many people have a testimony in here of a life that they lived at one time that is nothing like the life that they live now. It was a life that was. Uh, uh, that was uh, uh, full of sin, full of heartache, uh, full of tragedy. Uh, many things that they uh, have experienced and gone through has hurt them in time. Yet Jesus Christ has saved their soul from hell and made them a new creature. I have friends, people that I know personally that were at one time addicted to drugs, that were at one time alcoholics, that were at one time said that they never said they never wanted to hear the name of Jesus talk to them. Yet they went to church one time, and God saved them. Life was changed. Praise God for Jesus Christ and His grace. Praise the Lord for His love for us and willing to save us regardless of our condition. His unconditional love for us. We see the Bible tells us that each of us is cursed by sin, that none are righteous and that none seek God. Not a single one of you, including myself, sought after God, but God sought after us. You know, when I was saved, I was 13 years old. Amen. When I was saved, I was 13 years old. It was on a Monday, and I wasn't looking to get saved, but the Holy Spirit of God came to me 
and convicted me and whispered in my ear those things that I had been taught at church and showed me that I was lost and in need of a Savior. And that day I prayed and asked God to save my soul. And I've been different ever since then. Now, I was 13 years old. I wasn't some hardened criminal that had done time and seen the roughest parts of the world. But I was lost nonetheless. I would have died and gone to hell nonetheless. And God still loved me enough to save me. So I wasn't seeking after God that day. And, and none of us seek after God. Maybe today you're in here and you're lost and you're not seeking after God. But let me tell you, God loves you. And He's seeking after you. He's giving you an opportunity. He's trying to show you how much He loves you and that Christ died for you and wants to save you. The Bible says that all of us are gone out of the way and that all of us are lost. Because this curse came into the world, each and every one of us are born without a relationship with God and cursed with sin. My little boy Levi, he's a rambunctious little fella. I don't have to tell him to do wrong. He seems to figure it out on his own. My little girl, Adelaide, she's starting to get the same way. I'll say, now come over here to Daddy. And she'll say, no. And turn the other way and walk the other way. You don't have to teach those things. And, and it, those things are they're fun, they're funny to laugh at at their age. And, but the reality of it is the rebelliousness that, that comes up in young children is because of sin. That's why it's there. It's because of sin. And we all are born that way with that. Um, and we all are cursed with that. And because of that, now listen to me. If, things are, if you don't get things right with God, allow Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. You will never have a relationship with God. And the day that you do die, you will die and go to hell. Now, that's about as plain as I can put it. But I say it with love because God loves you and He did make a way. And we'll get, we'll get to that a little bit later. The Bible tells us we're all out of the way. Uh, and the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, it tells us that there's a payment for sin. It says, The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, because we sin, that's why we die. Because we, because we are born sinners, that is what causes us to reach a point in our life in which we die and our flesh comes to an end. Uh, it is the payment of the sin that we uh, are born into. You know, we're not, uh, we're not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're born that way as sinners. And because we're born that way we're automatically born in a way in which we will reach death one day. So that brings me back to death. Um, you know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it's appointed unto every man once to die. Um, that means uh, each and every person in here at some point, unless the Lord tarries, will reach their end. And, you know, it's a terrifying thing uh, to think about somebody dying and not knowing Jesus Christ. This very moment right now, I have loved ones that I could name that are in my family that will not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of them don't believe that there is a God. Uh, some of them do believe that there's a God, but they uh, believe false doctrine. They don't believe in uh, uh, the true way in which we're saved through Jesus Christ and His grace. Uh, I have family members that I dearly love that if I was to get a phone call today and say so-and-so was killed in a car wreck, so-and-so uh, you know, got sick and, and, and passed away suddenly, they'd be dead and in hell. And the Bible tells us that that point is coming for each and every one of us. And praise God if you can look back to the point in your life and remember when God saved you and be able to rely on that and to be thankful for that. But there's many that don't have that time. There's many that never have been saved. But it's coming for all of us. The Bible tells us that the first death is the end of our flesh. There's going to come a day that 
If the Lord tarries, my heart stops beating, my lungs start stop taking in air, and that will be uh, the the death of my flesh. If you flip back over to Genesis chapter number three, I got y'all going all over the place this morning, don't I? Genesis chapter number three, verse number nineteen. The Bible tells us that there was a consequence for sin. Uh, the Lord. He said, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground, for out, out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. Um, you know, the Bible, it talks about that the, in verse 18, it says, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. When sin moved into this world, that's why we uh, have these things, not just the tragedies that we experience, but even in creation and in nature. Um, Brother Nick and I, we went duck hunting yesterday. And uh, just like good hunters, we didn't kill a thing. And uh, we went out, and, and as we walked out through these cattails, uh, I, I got some cuts on my hand. And so oftentimes, the Lord, and I know it's simple, so oftentimes I'll think, that's because of sin. That these things are right, these things are out here, these pains that we feel, it's because of sin. These thorns, these thistles, because of sin. How different it's going to be when we live with Christ in heaven. How, how, how wonderful it's going to be to not endure any of these things anymore and have to deal with any of the, the heartaches and the pains. So we see that there's a, a consequence. But, you know, the Bible tells us that the soul of man is eternal. Our flesh may die, but you're, you're going to spend an eternity somewhere. Uh, it may be in heaven with the Lord and it may be in hell. The Bible tells us in uh, Revelation chapter number 20, if you want to flip back there, you can. I pray that, you know, it's funny. You pray about funny things when you're a preacher. I pray the Lord help me flip my pages fast this morning. Ain't that funny? <clears throat> Revelation chapter number 20, uh, starting with verse number 11, the Bible says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, for whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a second death for the unbeliever, and that death is the death of uh, an eternal death in hell in the lake of fire, to be separated uh, from God. You know, the Bible tells us that, um, that, that hell is a, is a real place, that hell is a place of torment, uh, that hell is a place uh, that is eternal. Um, the Bible tells us in, earlier in the New Testament uh, that it's a place of darkness, a place of weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Uh, how terrifying it must be to close your eyes in this wretched world and wake up in a place even worse. A place that you'll never leave from. You know, yesterday I walked in. Uh, no, it was the day before yesterday I walked in. Sometimes when I get home is about the time Levi's taking a nap. And uh, I walked into the bedroom and I was putting my flashlight and some of my tools up. And uh, Levi, he woke up uh, real slow and real easy. And he just raised his head up. He said, Dada. And, you know, I, I, I thought how wonderful it will be one day that as, as we close our eyes on this side, to wake up on the other side so gently and to see our Savior. And to be, and, and to be able to, to know that we're, 
in His care and in His arms forever, away from the things of this world that have hurt us and that have harmed us. How wonderful that will be. And that brings me to my last point here. There, there is a way out of this wicked world, and there is a way out of this sin. There is a way out of that curse and that bondage, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God made a way. If you look in John chapter number 3, and verse number 3, Chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, he he told uh, Nicodemus that unless a man is born again, born spiritually, that he could in no way ever enter into the kingdom of God, that he would never have a relationship with God, that he he would be uh, destined for hell and never, ever be able to enter uh, into the gates of heaven. But God made a way. Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, had His ministry here on this earth, died on the cross, and shed His blood in, in our stead as a payment for our sins. Listen to me. That bloodshed paid for your sin. It paid for my sin. There is no more debt owed if you will uh, put your faith in the finished work of Christ. But you must put your faith in Christ to be saved and to be born again. Eternal life is offered there in verse 15. It says, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Listen, Christianity is not about following a book with a bunch of rules, not being able to do this and that. It's about having freedom and liberty from the bondage of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be freed from these things that will hurt you in this life and and drag you straight to hell one day. God made a way through His Son Christ and His crucifixion and His bloodshed that you could have eternal life in Jesus if you would trust in Him and put your faith in Him. So what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Now listen, it seems a lot of times like a lot of folks feel uncomfortable leading other people to the Lord. So if you feel uncomfortable with that, you jot these parts down because I'm going to give you some verses here that many of us know. But if you're uncomfortable with this, go ahead and write this down. Chapter number 8 in the the book of Romans, number 1, it says, There is therefore now... Now listen, this is what it means to be saved. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and of death. To be saved means that you are not condemned to hell. To be saved means that you are freed from sin, free from the law of sin and death, that you can live a life of liberty. Listen to me. I haven't lived my life perfect. And there was a point in time, even as a saved man, that I got out into the world and I lived a life living in sin. And let me tell you, the life that I lived in sin, compared in direct contrast of the life that I've lived for Jesus Christ, there is no true comparison. It is so good to live for God. It is so peaceful to live in the will of God for my life and to have my life given to God and to serve God. Listen, 
God doesn't call everybody. I tell our young people all the time, God doesn't call everybody to preach. God doesn't call everybody to, uh, to be a missionary. If God calls you to flip hamburgers at McDonald's, do it and do it the best that you can, and you'll find the same peace of God and happiness. God's got a will for our life, and we ought to be thankful that we can be saved and live in that and have liberty and freedom from the things of this world. So here it is. How can someone be saved? If you're lost this morning, listen to me. Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you, died for you, shed his blood for you, that you may have a relationship with God. And despite whatever people may say, uh, whatever uh, certain educators may say, whatever certain TV preachers may say, there is only one way to have a relationship with Almighty God, and that is through his Son, Jesus Christ. It is the only way. There is no good works that you can do. There's no uh, offerings that you can give. There is nothing that will restore a, a relationship between you and God and pay for your sin and wipe it away other than the blood of Jesus Christ and putting faith in what he has done on the cross. How do you be saved? Chapter 10 of the book of Romans, verse number 9. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, you may say, I want to be right with God, but I don't know how. Here's how. If you believe that Jesus Christ did die for you and that his bloodshed was enough to pay for your sin, which let me tell you it was, then if you will pray to God and confess and tell him you know you're a sinner, you know that you need to be saved, you want him to save your soul from hell, and you trust that what Christ did can do that, he'll save you just like that and you'll be different. I promise you will be. I promise you'll be a different person and a new creature in Christ.